You're listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio from a discussion panel that was recorded at San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Hi, uh, my name is Tara. I am a webcaster, podcaster, uh, creator, and organizer of Ice and FireCon. Okay, so we have a bit of a structure here for our discussion, but it's also going to be the audience participation in it, so I'll just go over the outline briefly. Uh, we're going to start with chat about uh, Game of Thrones' uh, final season, and then we'll go into spinoffs and prequels, future of the Ice and Fire fandom, we'll talk about some of the other world of Ice and Fire works. George R. R. Martin's works in other genres if he thinks to read while he's working on a sixth book. Uh, Ice and Fire Convention, other events going on. So at the end of the panel, we'll, we'll have a formal Q&A, and so make sure you come during that time. But in, in any of these topics, if there's something that's burning, just, just come up there and we'll take a question, because we really want to hear from the audience. So you don't have to wait till the end. The end is just a generic Q&A, you can ask anything, you hear or whatever. But if we're talking about season eight, you want to talk about it, come up here and ask a question, or, or your comment in, okay? But it's going to really be audience participation here for this. Okay. So, season eight. Thoughts on season eight. We're good? Do you <laughs> really want to start with me? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the person to start with. Terrible channel of people that uh, really hated this, but it, what, what was good about it? Any, any thought? I thought, like, the battles when you could see them were good. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I enjoyed watching some of the episodes for sure, um, or at least parts of them. I mean, okay, Brienne getting knighted. There you go. That was that that whole. At first, I was like, "What is all this? What are they just sitting around talking and drinking? This is a waste of my time, you know." But like, as it went on for like you know a few more minutes, and they they were like fleshing out their conversations more, and then of course the you know ending that that high point with Brienne getting knighted was was really good. Um, and like things like finally getting like a little Sansa and Sandor, you know, reunion and stuff like that. Um, like there were some little high points in there um, and big ones, honestly, with the Brienne thing. But like it just honestly, like, I, and I think a lot of people feel the same way that, or, I mean, at least maybe, maybe my my friend group is is kind of just our own little sect. But like it was just a very rushed, you know, forced season that like. I think that they just wanted to get it done and they did, you know, the show and the actors a disservice. Um, well, I've never been very positive about the show. I've always been one book snob, so I apologize for that. But, uh, I mean, like, I've, I've kind of made my peace with the show, so, I mean, like, I was enjoying it for what it was. I really liked the battle at Winterfell. I thought it was just fun. Um, I mean, like, if you just take away the logic. But it's fun to watch. And just turn off all your lights in your house. Which is what we did. I mean, we were watching it in a big room on a big screen with a bunch of people and, and you know, had no lights on and everything. And it, honestly, the experience of watching it with a hundred something Game of Thrones Sound of Fire fans was like what made that episode great. So, yeah. so like, so I, I was all right. I was, well, I enjoyed most, like, you want to see the reunions. That's what I'm dying for in the next book is to see the characters come back together. So I was happy to watch that. Uh, overall, I was just okay about it. Um, and I've been okay with just meh, like for the seasons overall, so I've never had very high expectations. But uh, then the second to last episode, and then, you know, <laughs> at that point you're just mad. Well, the, the Rian Jamie thing, I think, I don't know if that's gonna be in the books or something they threw into the fans. I mean, it was good initially until, until they leaves. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really think. Um, I, I mean, I guess honestly, him leaving her, that, that not being like some sort of happy ending, that is, you know, very Martin. But I, I honestly don't know if I foresee there being like their relationship going that far yes. um, in the books. I, I do think that was a lot of fan service on their part. You know, they're, and I, I don't necessarily blame them for it. But like the the him leaving thing, I, I mean, honestly, that's that's an entirely different thing that I don't even know if I want to get into. Okay. So At least not any, yet. Any thoughts? Like, oh, so people that liked it first before we get people hated it. Is there any thoughts? Like, what, what did you like about it? Or what's the highlights? Does anyone want to put their hand up or come up? <laughs> oh, no, 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 we got somebody. Oh, back, yeah, here right? we go. Yeah. yeah, back with this. Okay. I just think a lot of people complain about it being rushed and like they didn't quite get the end that they were looking for, but it's about the only way to actually conclude that kind of a series. 
people were like, like you, there's a lot of people that are Targaryen fans that are like wanting Danny to sit on the throne, and you can't have Danny sit on the throne if she wants to break the deal. It's not going to happen. She's just going to continue like a monarchy as they go on. You have to get to a democracy in some form of way. So you literally just have someone go ham on the city and burn everything to the ground and start fresh as the thing progresses forward. Well, I think that's a good point on Danny being a villain. I, my view on it is. Yes, she can become a villain in the books, but there wasn't a lot of time to get there in the show. I think it was the transition that really shocked people about yes, the yeah. end point. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely know quite a few people who were just upset with it and, you know, with her being the bad guy. But, like, I, I think that even some of the people who at first were really, you know, frustrated or, or mad about it, you know, you... you Rethink it a little bit if you if you rewatch the series or the episode, um, you know, or episodes. Uh, it, there are there are plenty of signs there, like, but they're so sparse throughout. You know, so many seasons of the show, like they're few and far between, really. And and so then all of a sudden, the last season is just like bam, bam, bam. She's the bad guy. Like it's it's not so much that she didn't get the throne or that she turned out to be, you know, not you know, this, this, this great queen or whatever. Um, it's, it's that they, again, like they did, they did her character arc a disservice, but honestly, that's kind of par for the course with like all of the character arcs in season seven. So. Great. In the front here. Yeah. So uh, how far can you take that one? Did Danny remain if she was staying on the throne? You didn't carry it along for quite some time. And, but in order to, to kind of clean the slate, so to speak, that's kind of what they want to do. But they left some dangling chat in order to kind of carry it through. So I kind of see where they're coming from and how they want to respect it. Okay, time to clean this like time to add more characters in other respects that they're going to carry this through. Yeah, I feel like that's why a lot of people feel it was rushed. It's just like, um, I've always thought D D D Danny is kind of going down that path. I think it's pretty clear in the books that she's got anger issues and is not going to take rejection once she gets to the Seven Kingdoms lightly because th they're not going to accept all these foreigners coming in as an army. So, I mean, she is very much facing um, a lot of clashing going on with all the lords and everything. I don't I don't know how they'll solve that. It's, it's gotta be another Marine knot going on there. But I just, like the way that she flipped from, you know, planning to take the city when the bells ring stop and the bells ring she went crazy that that's i think that's where a lot of people are mad it's, uh, it's it just flips and it didn't seem like there was a really spark to why it's such an extreme villain that you could that no one should reasonably be sympathetic to her at that point they could have kept it a little more gray yes she's bad then that'd be more tragic when she's killed but she was just so evil at that point or mentally incapacitated. It was just, just, there's no sympathy for her at that point. Oh, I mean, her, her that whole last speech that she gave was basically like, we're going to take over the world. Like, I can do what I want because I'm a Targaryen and I have a dragon. Um, it's just... And, and, and again, like, I, may, I do I think that... I, I don't know if she, in the books she would ever get to that point of, like, making a speech like that where she's literally talking about taking over the world. Like, here's Pinky, where's her brain? Um... <coughs> But, uh, you know, uh, I, I just, I, I, with the rush thing, it's like if they had done t a 10 episode season, and yes, some of these episodes were longer, but they weren't longer enough. <laughs> and I'm using it, I, I know that's bad grammar, but I'm using it on purpose. They weren't longer enough to make up for it only being six episodes, you know, and, and them cramming all of these changes and everything into, you know, just six episodes. Like, just because the, previous um, signs of her being mad were, again, so few and far between. I mean, we had one or two, like, really just her burning Sam's dad and, and, and his brother in season seven and everything. Like, all of a sudden in season six, it's just bad, 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 bad. Um, and, and also, I mean, her, her scenes with John and everything were just kind of lit. So. Well, my, my theory is John was brain damaged since the Battle of the Bastards. He's lack of air there, he was almost suffocated. I mean, he died as well, so that's he lost his babies. Um, but I, I mean, I'm sympathetic in a sense, but I mean, George himself is struggling to finish the series. He has the time that he can take it. They had to end it, but he, so I, I get it. It's a difficult ending to land, but it's almost like you can't do it, pass it on to somebody else. 
to do so. But okay, so any any people that were in the middle or really hated in comments here that in the front. Well, and I mean, so my, my thought on that, um, I do, like, I do agree that the, the, you know, the others and everything, they are definitely a big bad in the series. I don't think they're the end all be all big bad. I think the whole point of the books, um, and therefore the show, I guess, uh, is that it's people, you know, the people are, are, are the ones that you're really going to be struggling and fighting against. Um, but that said, again, it, it pulls us back to the whole rushing thing. Like it was very abrupt. Like we get one big enjoyable, you know, episode about with this battle and then they're just gone. Um, you know, and, and it, the whole, like Ashley said, I, I just don't think, I don't, I certainly don't think it's going to end that abruptly. Like, oh, we're all just going to gather at Winterfell and have this one battle and then everything's all fine with those guys and we just have to go deal with Cersei. I, I just don't, I, I don't know, Martin's better than that. Well, I think, uh, I actually will disagree, I mean, on, on, the, on the, what the end point will be, because I think the symptom of the Night King being killed very easily or anticlimactic is what caused that, I think, is that the others will be dealt with after. I think King's Landing and Cersei will be first. And I think they switched that in the show, and that caused some of the problems, one being why everyone seemed to survive being swarmed by zombies or whites, right? They just got up. Like, I think, because they needed to survive to get to part two. But I think in the books it may be the other way around. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see when it comes. I don't think there'll be a Night King in, in the books, so it, the others will be different in the books. But I think that was one of the problems with the last season. Uh, so is the tactical support guy here? Is it possible to move this mic up further? You, we have some really good comments. We're hoping to record it. If you're just talking, we won't catch it. So if you move the mic up, that may encourage people to come up to it. We'll see. Yeah, we want to make sure everybody actually like hears the question. <laughs> so, um, also, we can't necessarily see all of you. <laughs> on, the, uh, on, on, the fall, on, on what happened with Daenerys, you know, I was just thinking there's an interesting comparison between the fall of Daenerys and the fall of Robb Stark. Like the way that that's built up so well in the books, 
and the way the adaptation of that with him making bad decisions like sending Theon on the embassy mission uh, or an emissary mission to the Iron Islands and that didn't go well, he had a car start. There's all these moments where you can kind of, and then when the Red Wedding happens, you look back and you see, oh yeah, we can really see that coming. And it was built up and it didn't happen the way that Daenerys was like, 3% of the, of the development to that point when her character flips, and then flips in a moment when it doesn't even make sense. Like, like we said, like she didn't even have a, a reason to burn down King's Landing, and we didn't get the build up there. And, and, and the biggest thing I was thinking of in terms of the changes from the books, um, and this is just my theory, maybe I'm totally wrong about this, is, is believing the entire Young Griff plot, which I don't, you know, in case there are people here who haven't read the books and are going to, I think I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to spoil it if you haven't read it. But that plot with Young Griff could lead in a direction. You could really see a situation where that could contribute to Daenerys' madness in a way that makes, I think, a lot more sense than what we got. So. Yeah, I think the Dornish probably rejecting Daenerys is probably going to be a thing that comes up and that'll really tick her off. Well, not only Young Griff, but even Stannis, I think, will maybe around long enough for Danny to get there. I think, I think there's going to be involvement there. Like this, they, they, they guard, they guard things, they end the storylines earlier than expected. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain we talked about the Stannis thing, you know, yes. after it happened. Um, I, gosh, I don't even remember what year that was, but yeah, like that's, he's another great example of just, just cutting off something that could have. A great character arc. Yeah, yeah. I, just a quick question: Are we are we full spoilering books and everything here? I think I think we can. I mean, the show's over, so yeah. Can I share my quick? Can I share my quick theory? Sure. Okay. okay. So my theory is like in book six, like you know, Young Griff's there. Aegon, he's you know conquered a part of Westeros. Somehow he starts interacting with Danny. Like there's a marriage proposal, then it's revealed he's not actually Aegon. And then that really this is yeah. So that's just my idea. Well, he's the mummer's dragon, right? And yeah. Danny Slayer wise will. And now she's going up from that moment when she destroys him. Yes. That's now she's heading down that dark path. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so um, I'm very much team Danny is the Mad Queen, which is why this season was so extra frustrating because the first rule of like good storytelling is show, don't tell, and then they have these giant time skips where it's like Danny's doing fine, suddenly Danny's making bad, poor decisions again, but this time somebody gets killed. Six months later, she is angsting hard and you're supposed to just believe that she went crazy in this time. And like, I think that's the other reason that like the absurdity of like, of her being driven crazy by these bells is even more angry making to me. I can speak. It is even more annoying to me because it's just such bad writing. You're expecting us to do the they're expecting us to do the character building and like fill in the blanks of that descent into madness instead of showing it to us. Like, I'm sorry, you're the writer, you write it for us. Like, don't make us write the show. But then Barnes won't have a part. <laughs> well, it, it is implied that Varys was trying to have her poison. I think. I yes. Oh, oh, not even implied. It was straight. It was like straight up, like without actually you saying the it. words. Put poison put in Daenerys's food and drink. Yeah. yeah. Little finger. The, the Varys just undone by his own stupidity. Little finger. I would have won if it wasn't for you, damn kids. <laughs> Like disappointing to them. Well, I mean, players. they they killed off Littlefinger, so they needed a new they needed a new uh, person to like just do the most obvious stupid thing and then get killed for it. Honestly, at that point, I really just wanted Darius to be like, "Yes, I'm going to poison Danny," and just you know, because that's that's the quality writing we got. And... Thank you. <laughs> I have one comment and one question. The comment is about something you were saying about how you thought the Battle of Winterfell would be totally different. Um, books in one of the after the show's like bonus things that HBO does um, the showrunners pretty much said that they had made all, like Arya being the one they kill on their own yeah. so I really feel like and my personal theory was one of them I think it's David's wife Amanda Pete is like hardcore feminist and I had I just had this theory that like either she knew that Danny was, was not going to go over well and they're like making Arya or something. And, and it kind of along those lines, my question is, I'd be curious to know who you think had the best character arc on the show now that we kind of know how it all ended on the show. Brienne. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly, I'm trying to think about it, and it's like, yeah. oh, um, it would have been Jamie. Except. Yeah, Jamie until yeah, right? the end. Jamie, like, Jamie yeah. until the end. Yeah, yeah. The end, it's like prophecies don't matter. I guess. Like, I mean, fair enough. If you want to do it, rocks are going to be the thing to kill people. But, yeah. Well, I, I think that came in Kingslayer to save King's Landing. I actually made a complaint about the pro- the Valonqar prophecy thing, and and then somebody told me no 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 like the the one you know brief uh, scene or wherever where Cersei has that flat where's that that flashback where Cersei's young and she goes to see Maggie the Frog. Apparently she like and I, I watched it again. There's no they don't the the Valonqar prophecy is not yeah. stated the way it is in the book, so they left it out completely. Um, so like, but, but even outside of that, just you know. You, I, I read some articles where people were making excuses about why Jamie went back. It's like, oh, he's obsessed with her. He's never going to be over her. She's always going to be a part of him. Like, I, but honestly, I think it's just a not just a detriment to like his character arc, but also like it. It just it's a bad. It, it's just bad in general because it, it like if you think about abusive abusive relationships and how abusive their relationship was. I mean, they were both bad, but. Cersei was very clearly the aggressor in a lot of in a lot of the abuse. The idea that he just goes back to her in the end, you know, for really no good reason is is just kind of disgusting to me. So they, yeah, they certainly have pro- they both have problems in that relationship. But at least from the book's perspective, you can see that Cersei manipulated Jaime into going to King's Arc, throwing his life away. Basically, like he, I mean, he, he also had, had good parts that he wanted to do, but she manipulated him into that and to see him go back. And, and I mean, I don't think that there's going to be something in the books, and nor do I think that it should have happened in the show where him and Brienne had some sort of happily ever after. Like, I'm not, I'm not a Jamie and Brienne shipper, to be honest, but like that said, I, I just for him, for him to just run back to her arms, you know, again, for for. For what? Like yeah. he he's, he he gets captured on the way there. He's luckily, you know, uh, Tyrion Tyrion ex machina over here, set loose and like allowed to go see her and possibly save her. I, just the whole thing was was a mess. And I, you know, the writers can can defend their stupid reasons for doing it all they want, but I honestly think that. I honestly think that a lot of the choices they made, particularly this season, um, and and not the Danny one. I actually like we've said do think that would happen, but a lot of the choices they made with character arcs this season were um, were just they just felt like doing it, like the Arya thing. I mean, and you're right. Like I, it's almost I th- I think they said that they went back and forth, and and in the end they decided well who would be the least likely one, Arya. Like they might as well have picked a name out of so. <laughs> yeah. Should have been Pod. I agree. I'm sorry. Who? Podrick Dane. <laughs> yeah. The actual okay. Prince of Dorne. Yeah, the actual Prince of Dorne is Pod. <laughs> um, well, you kind of covered some of what I was going to say, but um, to add on to the Jamie thing and um, her comment about showing and not telling, I, I think it would frustrate me most about that is there is something interesting in the idea of a man having a crisis of conscience of like, oh, I can be this person that I was before that's really comfortable. Or I could go be this hero, but I feel like I don't deserve to be this hero. Like that's interesting, that's compelling. And done correctly, I could have bought into it. So it's not that I ultimately disagree completely with where it went, it's just I didn't get anything that told me why it went that way. Um, something like scenes at Winterfell of people treating him like a good man and him freaking out because he's not used to being treated that way. Or hearing the soldiers talk about what they're gonna do to Cersei or something like that that kind of gave us, okay, he did this thing with Brienne and he's feeling it and oh my God, now he's having a crisis, now he's gonna leave. And I just feel like I don't necessarily disagree with what happened. I think that that could be an interesting story, but I don't know why it happened. Yeah, see, when he first left, I was on the, no, he's just going back to get closure. He wants to be there at the final battle and you know just get closure on the relationship. And how they could have done it is maybe it was originally that he was going back to get closure. He was not going back for Cersei, but then when he sees her, then he has a crisis. I could have seen that happening, but just leaving Brienne just for Cersei, just out of nowhere after all of that, it did not make sense. And nothing seemed to happen to like push it that way. It was literally just, just another snap. Well, I mean, and this honestly, this like goes all the way back to season two where he bashes in uh, his cousin's head. Uh, and becomes a kinslayer, yes. you know, as well as a kingslayer. Like, like there was an interview with Benny Offerweiss, I can't remember who, where they 
basically said like Jamie is a bad man. He is a he's a murderer. He's a like I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like they they hate, whoever it was Benny Alvarez hated Jamie. And I honestly think this was kind of their last, like, eh, well, we, we had to show you a little bit of his character arc because he's important to, like, this story that ugh, I guess we have to tell. But in the end, we're just going to, like, show him, show you guys, like, he's actually a bad man. He's so bad, he's going to say he's bad, and then he's going to go back to Cersei, and that's how it's all going to end. He's going to be, you know, die in her arms. Like, it, well, I, I never liked that change in the first place. I mean, he wouldn't kill his own family. Exactly. He'd be bad without killing his own family. There's different aspects to it. So. Some of us are really bitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, you know, I, I, I liked... The things that I liked about the, the last season, the cinematography was really good. I think the filming... I had luckily had like a 4K TV, so I was able to see everything in the dark, so that was really <laughs> But I, I think that was... And, Honestly, I think that a lot of the ideas and the, the storylines, the endings, like everybody's saying, could have made sense. But the way that it, it was achieved, it got there, was yeah. it just didn't make any sense. It just seemed like they were streamlining and trying to cut cut corners so that they could get it all done in, in ten you know ten episodes or whatever. Yeah, like can anyone tell you what Brand's purpose was? <laughs> Yeah. Brand is evil. I think Brand is evil. It's like let's let everybody die in King's Landing and I'll come on my ship. Brand's, I'm here to be king now. Like, Brand's purpose was to become a meme. So, yeah, it's, like, it's like there's all these buildups. There's buildups with Brand and you know being this you know all seeing you know green green seer and you know uh, all that stuff and then nothing happens and then you know all this you know all this buildup of John being the actual you know you know. Uh, Heir to the, the true heir to the, the crown or, or the, the, the throne, but then nothing happens, and then and then you know various you know actually kind of even egging that on by like you know going and sending out you know birds every ravens everywhere to let everybody know, but then by the time we see uh, you know um, uh, you know the queen at the end, she's she doesn't even know that nobody nobody knows that he's the the true king, or, yeah. you know, the heir. And it's well, like all of these things are happening, and there's all this buildup, and there's nobody, there's no real resolution. And that's what I had an issue with. Uh, one thing I did love, because I've been in the fandom for probably around 15 years now, so the L plus R equals J was used to be very, you know, controversial theory that was out there. And what I love is that we spent all these years just, you know, going <laughs> on and on about L plus R equals J, and it means. So I think for us as fans, I think that, that it was just it was just disappointing to have all these different storylines build up, all these different character arcs, and the only one that really kind of played through, I think, was Theon. Yeah. Like Theon had a good character arc and ended up well, well at the end. But other than that, I think it was just it was just useless. Oh gosh, if you told me, yeah, if you told me like a few years ago that I would legit cry when Theon Greyjoy died, I would have been like, who are you? Hi, what did you think of uh, Tyrion's arc? Because I felt like he totally like not not like a good decision for like three straight seasons and barely got punished for it at all. Like he was in prison for like a month maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you have to measure by beard length to see how long he was in there, right? Like, I can't really say anything because um, he's so different from his book character. Yeah. I just don't like him. Well, just, I mean, it's funny when they brought him in at the end and they're like, you shut up, you're not here to talk. And then he starts dictating like what's going to happen <laughs> with the whole kingdom. It's like, okay, you are here to talk. Yeah, I, I mean, like Tyrion in the books is, um, he's a gray character and like, and honestly, verging on the very dark side of Grey, if you ask yes. me. He is not a good person. No. He is witty, and his stuff is fun. Like, his chapters are fun to read, but he is, a, he is not a yes. good guy in the books. And the show, they, they, as much as they disliked Jamie, they loved Tyrion, you guys. Like, Tyrion, he is, he is, he's like a god in their eyes. He could do no wrong. Like, even when he was doing bad stuff in the show, they were, like, glossing it over with, like, well, of course Tyrion did this awful thing because, like, look at this bad thing he had to go through, like, two days ago. Like, you know. And I get it. Like, the, Tyrion's had a hard life. And, and, and maybe, you know, the show writers... I, I mean, that Peter Dinklage, great actor and everything, but, but I just think that they that character was done a disservice because he was just too 
perfect. Like, I mean, and I say that with quotes, like as Game of Thrones, the show, show characters go, obviously he's still not a great guy, but like, um, they, they really just dumbed down his character so much. Like, he, he is one of my favorite characters in the books because, and his story arc is really great watching him change from the beginning and where he is now. So it just really frustrates me to see, you know, like, and Peter Dinklage could have done that. He could have done such a great job showing that, and, and it's like they wasted it, I feel. Well, that's a good segue. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead for a second and come back, but because uh, Tyrion is a Targaryen, like, we didn't really get any closure on that. I think the show didn't really say one way or another. Like, I, I, I in particular like that Tyrion is a chimera. He has two different fathers. We always <laughs> like to talk about that. Yeah, we, we talk about that every single year. <laughs> But there was, I didn't see anything. Does anyone think Tyrion is a target though for the books? I want to see, like, or is, is anyone on that board? Because because there's, there's there's a lot of hints there that the Mad King was his father, like in the books, and that's why Tywin doubted the parentage, and then he doesn't get grayscale when he, despite the other guy who pulls him out. Of the well, I mean, and, and on top yeah. of that, like his Tyrion's, um, you know, him being a dwarf and his general, like, you know, just deformities and everything, the different colored eyes, those are. You know, in, in the books, like the, the genetic stuff is so like set in front That's of right. you, um, and 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 yeah, like this is another one of those like L, L, R, R plus L equals J theories that like we've all picked apart for years and and like gone over and over and over again. Like, is he? Isn't he? Probably is. You know, uh, is he going to be a dragon runner? In the end, like in the show, at least they they're. I, I guess it doesn't matter because there's no Targaryen on the throne, but in at least in the show verse, but. Um, are we gonna do that now? Like, is it, th- th- this is, when is the next book coming out so that we can like finally have like a show verse versus well, George R. R. Martin's I mean, on his blog? He was talking about like I think next summer is, is a convention or something. And he said like if I don't have it done by then, yeah, WorldCon. I think like, he said. Yeah. So. <laughs> but but yeah, so so like even if even if Tyrion is a Targaryen, I guess I guess the the you know show ending makes makes me wonder is does it really matter? Does it matter? Yeah, because yeah, I don't think it does any more than the R plus L equals J thing. Well, we ended up with one dragon at the end. I was, uh, I'm not sure, like, yeah, I mean, I guess ultimately there'll be none. Like, that, that's in the books. I'm not sure if there'll be enough dragons that they'll actually replicate or <laughs> Well, I mean, I would hope that in the books, Euron Greyjoy doesn't come around yes. with, like, uh, machine gun-style ballistas yes. that can just somehow, like, kill a dragon mid-flight one minute and then, like, not kill the other dragon that's flying straight at them the next minute. But, you know, it's fine. Yep. Hi, uh... Yeah, I definitely believe Tyrion's Targaryen. And just because, like, Danny, John's, and Tyrion's moms all died in childbirth, mm-hmm. so I was like, I don't know, that connection's too much. But um, I wanted to say, because of stuff like this, how do you think expectations uh, affected or didn't affect how season eight was perceived? My uh, Ashley and I, I think. We had already lowered our expectations from previous seasons, so we actually didn't. We weren't yeah. as disappointed as people that were had high expectations. After Dorne, but. I just stopped caring. Yeah, yeah. That, that well, actually, no. Mine was no. Yeah, Dorne, season five, season five. Like, I, I and I don't know. Maybe it's different for for other people. Um, I, I think I have some friends who just watched the show, and and they they were definitely super disappointed about like you know. A lot more even, like, as much as, I compl- as I'm complaining about season eight, um, I didn't have high expectations, and I haven't since season five. And, and honestly, that was the point where I had to, where I, I separated the books from the TV show in my head and said, if I'm going to keep enjoying this show at all, I have to just look at them as two entirely different entities, book verse and show verse. Um, you know, and, 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 but even then, even with these lowered expectations, it was still like, Ugh, and this is the end you give us after all these years. Okay. It's rather fitting that we were just after the Lost podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, That's the, why they put us after the Lost podcast. I'll tell you this, all the show uh, only fans that named their kid Danny are going to be disappointed now. <laughs> <laughs> Aria is a win, I guess, or, or it's still good? I, I don't want to rag on, just constantly rag on the show. I will say, like, I, I did start to enjoy the show again when I started watching it with friends, and then mm. if you're in a group, it is a much more fun experience, and if it, you're just alone there, just picking apart everything on your own, that's not the way to watch the show. You have to watch it with a group of people. <laughs> That, yeah, that's definitely a social aspect, like, you know, having, like, a dinner together or whatever, and watching together is the plus of the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so just in terms of what were, like, some of the biggest missteps in the writing, 
um, in the second half of the series. I think the number one on my list would be um, the Beyond the Wall episode. Let's go uh, kidnap a white and bring it to Cersei. I felt like that was a Scooby-Doo plot. It's a bad Right? Like, seriously. And you plot not badly, too. And to get to that point, you know, that kind of nadir after where we started with, like, four seasons of, like, one of the finest adaptations, mm -hmm. you know, one of the greatest stories ever told. It was just really sad for me. And then on the subject of Fury, and I just wanted to mention what I thought was the single, just worst, most heartbreaking change that they made in the adaptation, which just ruined me as a fan of Tyrion, was leaving out the Taisha conversation with Jamie. When you get to, you know, Jamie's free hit, and then there's that moment of when Jamie says, you know, a Lannister always pays his debts. And Tyrion's like, what are you talking about? And then we just find out all the buildup around Taisha just gets blown open. I, and, I, I can't remember. Was Taisha ever mentioned in the show? Yeah, it was, but they undermined that yes, story earlier. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so that's where like the showrunners had laid the trap. Like there was that moment where um, Tyrion, Bronn, and Shay were drinking oh, and getting right, to know right, each other right. again at the Green Fork, like in season one or two. And and Tyrion tells the whole story about his childhood marriage, or his teenage marriage. Mm -hmm. And so it was already there, and then to, to not have that, because to me that was so crucial in who he then becomes in the late, in, in like the next book. I mean, like, like let's, let's be real, the show um, in the earlier seasons, they laid out a lot of stuff that they just never, there was no payoff on. Um, and I, I think a lot of that, you know, it, it was time constraints, it was, probably toward the end like even budgetary constraints because you know they were spending all their money on dragons and couldn't let John pet ghosts and stuff like that but um, I think they were also hoping that the next book would have come out so that they could yeah they would uh, yeah yeah and 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 yeah so they're like they're working with just the most basic plot points that George would give them and you know the, between not knowing the fill-in stuff and then also again like just we need to wrap this show up uh and and that that and i don't know if it, it was benny on the whites or hbo or a combination but like i do think that like we could have gotten this a 10 this definitely could have had at least a 10 episode season we probably could have had two seasons more you know and still had enough you know to go on if they hadn't rushed because season seven was a bit rushed too, um, you know, and, and and they could have like there could have been more payoff on some of those you know storylines that they introduced and then abandoned. Um, I, I I do have a little bit more understanding of them dropping certain things like that because again adaptation, um, but but yeah, it's it's it is weird you know looking back and seeing like oh there was this whole thing where Taisha like seemed like she might have been an important you know conversation piece later again and then just nothing well I'll, I'll comment on the Taisha thing because they actually if I recall correctly they undermined it back then Shay kind of undermined it's like of course she was fake or something so they couldn't like go back to the already undercut it earlier too I think it was a mistake even back then I think that happens I feel like that maybe something similar happens in the books. I, I I can't quite remember how the conversation you know went in the books, but um, but yeah, I mean like like Tyrion had had his own. I, I his his everything about him is so different in the show that I think the Taisha thing just probably doesn't, and 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 Jamie's involvement in it probably it just wasn't ever going to matter in the show the way it probably does in the books. Uh, one quick, uh, what do you think of David and Dan bailing on Kong here? <laughs> I think it's okay. a choice. Yeah. Okay, this is a working model in Star Wars, right? They don't have time to go here. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, Mario doesn't have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so they're not coming. I mean, initially, they announced they were coming. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, they were coming. Yeah, they were coming. Oh. A lot of people are trying to, like, under, like, like downplay it. Like, oh, well, neither, like, the actress who played Miss and I and, and Ian Glenn aren't no. coming either. It's like... I mean, they probably have, like, I'm sure Benioff and Weiss have other commitments, but I really think they decided I, I not to come. I was at um, Con of Thrones just last weekend, and they had Nikolai as one of the guests, and he was saying, it's like, you know, they, they read the comments, too. They, they hear you all. So I think they just, you know, knew what the audience was looking for, and they, they think the audience is out for blood. <laughs> <laughs> Very wise of them to go, you know what? We probably don't need to come to Comic Con. I feel them. But I will say, I don't 
think that they expected to have to finish George's story. And I feel that they kind of were like, they were like, fuck. What are we going to, sorry, podcast, you can leave that. But just like, you know, oh crap, we weren't expecting to have to finish this, this story. And they clearly are not as skilled and talented or in, in a storyteller as George is. So he's on a totally different level. So I, 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 without cutting them slack for completely breaking my heart and destroying the series, um, and I now pretend like Aliens, anything after Aliens 2 doesn't exist. So that's kind of feel like the latter seasons of Game of Thrones. But I want to say that I appreciate them bringing it. Because I, no, I didn't know what Game of Thrones was. My husband sat me in the with a baby. But he sat me down after the first couple episodes and was like, you need to watch this. It's going to be great. I lost my mind. And I have read them multiple times. I've watched the series multiple times. So as much as we want to rag on them for, again, completely just destroying what we, we love so much, um, I still have to say that they recognized an amazing story and brought it to us. And I appreciate them for that. How they ended it, not so much. But I just wanted to throw that out there because I know we're all angry. Oh, no, no. And, and actually, yeah, I was I reading. Say, but I just wanted to throw some love because I would have never been introduced had they not have had the yeah. to take it to HBO and to do the thing. So that's my PR PC. Well, I was reading. I was actually reading a cracked article earlier today. I think yeah, earlier today. Um, that that was basically like you know five five reasons why we don't give Game of Thrones enough credit. And the biggest the biggest one is like no matter how disappointed you are in you know what happened or how they ended it or how they wrote things or how they ruined your favorite character. And and I'm I'm in all of those books. No matter how disappointed you are in in those things, like and even if you were like me and you read the books first or you know like. You didn't. I never. You, we never thought we were going to get a TV show of this magnitude. We never thought we were going to get anything. Period. But certainly not something of this magnitude. And you know, they did. There was so much of it that they did very well, especially in the earlier seasons. But even, I mean, God, like the the, the dragon dance in the Battle of Winterfell episode was like. I never thought I would see that. That's amazing. Like, and and the fact that it opened up this this fantasy series that was honestly like you look back at the old covers of the song of ice and fire books like if i'd seen that in a bookstore like when i was in high school when it came out i would have been like what is this junk dragons and half naked blonde women on the cover who wants she this like the german titles yeah so 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 like, like it, it really made it more of like a mainstream thing and it brought so many people into the fandom and it it has um, you know, as, as with any fandom, there's, there's, you know, bad points to it. There's people who act like jerks, whatever, but in general, like, um, you get yourself in the right circles and, and this can be a really great, you know, great group of fans to be involved in. And like, I mean, I, I mean, shoot, I, for one, like my entire life is, is different than I ever would have expected it to be because of this show and, and these books. So... Well, if you read, uh, you watch some of their earlier interviews too, they were very focused on the Red Wedding. That's what they really wanted to get to. And then after that, also, they started running out of material. So they were very passionate at that point. So we've got 10 minutes left. So I think maybe we'll go to some, some of these later slides first just to make sure we go through yeah. what we're involved in. Yeah, you can come back to people's afterward. Um, so we're talking about what, where is the fandom going here? Like we have some different podcasts available if you're interested in the books. Ours is Podcast Advice and Fire. We've been podcasting. For about eight Twelve. years now, or two months. Is it that now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, no. Oh, you're right. Twelve years of podcast of Ice and Fire. Eight years Bastards of Kingsbury, which is the one where we do anime and other um, yeah, and there's also like if you're doing, I mean, there's there's actually a bunch of people doing rereads right now. Um, the History of Westeros is doing. Oh gosh, they've got like a Valor Rereadus, I think is what they're calling it, um, and I think they do like webcasts or live webcasts or something every week, I believe. Um, and then you've got like Girls Gone Canon, which does POV by POV, and then um, not a podcast, which I believe is just in order. And there, there's quite a few other ones. I mean, there's there's tons and tons yeah. of podcasts out there now. Yeah, you can find anything you want, pretty much. And and honestly, like I do think that unless the next and and I'm not bashing anything or rushing anything but unless the next book comes out like within the next year year and a half i there is a good chance that things are going the fandom is going to kind of settle into a sort of stasis but i i don't think it's long lasting i do think the book will come out eventually obviously we've got the prequel that that they're already working on that's going to I mean, it, it's not going to just air a pilot we'll at least get a season probably more because i can't imagine that it will be 
you know, completely unsuccessful, so. Okay, let's see what else we got here. So there's some other works that are, that you can pass the time with. Has anyone read The World of Ice and Fire? It's basically, yeah, it's like an encyclopedia type book. If you, if you can't get enough of this world, you have to read that book. Like, I love that book. I, I probably would take that book over uh, the next one. <laughs> to be honest, because I just love the history, the dark history. World history will just annoy you because it gives you more mysteries than answers, but it, it's great. Yeah, we actually did an interview with the co-writers that helped write that book, too. It was pretty good when it came out in 2014, I think. Uh, the Hedge Knight series is really good. Anyone read the Hedge Knight series? It's like 80 or 90 years in the past. There's different forms. There's graphic novel form, or you can read a short story. Yeah, it's actually, they've got them collected into one book, then they've got the novellas, and then they've got the, the graphic novels. So, like, if you're looking for something different, the graphic novels are a cool way to read some more, you know, Song of Ice and Fire. So. And I, I think a lot of people are crossing their fingers that that's going to be one of the prequels they're talking about. Well, that was the hope, but it's, we, have, we have no okay, news we don't, we have that, no news, but, yeah. but it is it is material that is there that could be used in the universe. It's good. Brienne's ancestor is in there. So. <laughs> uh, then there's a cookbook for people who like to cook. But make sure you know how to cook because it's, it's complicated, isn't it? <laughs> I tried it, failed. <laughs> I, I've made like a bunch of recipes from it, um, but to be fair, like I worked in the restaurant industry for many years as a prep chef, so like they're they're hard though. Like even for me, and and I'll, actually a lot of it is like finding some of the ingredients. I mean, yeah. especially where I live. I live in South Carolina, so hmm, good luck. Yeah. Well, they have two forms in there. Often they have like the medieval uh, medieval style one, which is like yeah. more complicated than the modern one, but it still doesn't walk you through it. You need to know. Yeah, yeah, you need to know some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone play the board game at all? Yeah. Anyone play board game? Yeah, that's a good one. There's a Mother of Dragons expansion that came out. Uh, it was a lot of history with the game, different versions of it. I like the four player Feast for Crows. Um, actually, I think I may have a, a link for that. Do I have it in here? Uh, if, if you search, um, if you keep, let's see if I have it in there. Sorry. I think it's in there. I remember seeing it. There it is, yeah. So if you're, if you're a fan of the board game, uh, go to that site if you don't mind. We're, we're doing a survey to get support for it because it's no official tournament. So we're trying to get people to, to fill up the survey so like, you want to turn it, what kind of tournament, and just, we'll get, I have contacts with that kind of like games that make the game, so we need the fandom to show interest in it to have an official tournament, so. Okay, let's go back to, and there's other games as well, I mean, there's a trivia game, anyone play the trivia game? <laughs> it's show-based, right? So it can be tricky sometimes. Yeah. I highly suggest um, the Monopoly one. Yeah, the, the trivia one. The, the trivia ones are always, like, they're hard. They get, because yes. they have to search for, like, questions. So, like, you could know a crap ton of stuff, but, like, you're still going to not get, like, half these questions, I swear. Um, the Monopoly one, I highly suggest playing that. And, like, my, what my friends and I do is if anytime anybody says, like, uh, a dollar or dollars instead of, you know, stags or, or, or whatever, um, they have to put... Uh, whatever the low, I can't remember what the lowest denomination is in their Monopoly game, but they have to put like one of those in the pot. So it turns into, it turns into some real fun when. I've, I've played the Risk game too, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, each faction has like different, um, you know, like abilities and it really changes the game up and it's, a, I enjoy it better than the re real version of Risk. Okay, so other works of George R. R. Martin. Has anyone uh, been a fan of George before I Fire? Yeah, you're, 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 you're all the way back to Wildfire uh, stuff, right? Uh, John, my first time I read a George R. Martin series in 1978. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a big fan of uh, the Wild Cards and, and the Havilland Tough stories, which uh, are about genetic engineering. Um, yeah, he's writing about genetic engineering. Quite poignant for today. Yeah, genetic engineering things in the 70s, right? He was writing that, that early, like he had a lot of foresight there. And, and that, that's collected, it's three novellas and into one book, and it's really a worthwhile reason. Well, every subject he goes to, the point is he didn't become a great writer out of nowhere. He's been writing for decades in various you know, vampires, werewolves, whatever. Whatever he touches, he does good work on, and it's there. Yeah, I've read maybe half a dozen of his other works, and I've really enjoyed everything. They're very thought-provoking. And then and there's a, The Pear-Shaped Man is one of his horror works. By a guy who's shaped like a parrot. It's actually really scary. So it's like there's cheese, cheese pops. It makes cheese pops really scary. Like you know, <laughs> you know, they're like oh, cheese doodles. Cheese you know, doodles. Like, he's always this pear chef guy is always offering cheese doodles to people and so he wants to show them his name. So I guess it's really <laughs> uh, second kind of loneliness. 
uh, it's also really good work. It's from George's youth. It's, he has several of these short story works that he really draws on from his own experiences. Yeah. Sam King's is yeah, really scary. <laughs> good as well. So there's also an Outer Limit adaptation, but they really changed it quite a bit. Like, I like the original Sam King's better, but maybe we'll get more adaptations of it. We'll see. Okay. And there's the Ice Dragon, but it's not in the same world. Okay, that's just marketing. It's <laughs> not world. But concepts in these earlier works appear later. Names and that kind of themes will appear in the actual work. Okay, we'll talk about Ice and Firecon. Uh, we, I mean, we don't have to talk about it for a long time, but... Um Ice and Firecon, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I, I'm the creator and organizer for Ice and Firecon. Ashley is uh, on our small council, actually, and Amin is um, one of our fandom fave guests. We have like podcasters and webcasters and stuff that come. Uh, actually, next year we've got um, David J. Peterson, the, the guy who created the language, the Dothraki and Valerian for yeah. the show coming, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, we're, we are, I think, um, and I don't remember who said it, it was, it was several years ago, someone called us, uh, it's like, it's like summer camp for Game of Thrones fans. Uh, it's, it's not in the summer, it's in April in Ohio, so it's not very hot, but uh, it's basically just a weekend where we go out to a lodge that's about 40 minutes from uh, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, it's, you know, panels, and we have like a LARP tournament that's really funny and fun, and I think there's... Can, is there a picture? Oh yeah, the, the, the corner over here, um, this is from our tournament. We have a very large fray faction. It's pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, so, and, and we have a board game tournament every year. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it's just, it's, it's basically like several hundred fans, you know, getting together and, and getting to know each other. Um, Cause it's, it's not about meeting, you know, famous people or, uh, you know, yeah, merchandise or anything like that. It's, it's, really just uh, hanging out, partying, and talking, and some really great costumes. Um, and people it, get really obscure there yes. because they can, and yeah. people will get it. Well, you, just, you, you, just, you can strike up conversations with people over lunch, whatever, Azora High, or whatever. Like, yeah. They just know, they get it, right? You can talk about whatever. Yeah, and, and we, yeah, so we have a lot of other, and just fun events that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, the past two years, we had, we hosted uh, Westeros, an American musical, which is, uh, Song of Ice and Fire uh, story set to like set over Ham music from Hamilton. Um, so if you haven't heard of it and you like Hamilton, <laughs> uh, Google it because the the, the 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 book the lyrics are um, they were written by a good friend of mine and they're 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 very amazing. <laughs> All right, we've got we've got one minute left, so again we'll do our final plug here. So we have podcast Spice and Fire. It's eleven years now. Now we've been podcasting so long that I forgot. It's eleven <laughs> years. Uh, we, we have the longest running reread of the books. I think that's going on for about eight years. We also have Bastards of King's Reef, which is like everything else, anime and uh, games, of, but, but from an Ice and Fire perspective. So we, <laughs> then Vassals of King's Reef is for anyone out there, like any fan or listener of the podcast joins in the that. So we have people from various continents like all over the world. It's like a community. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had, we had a bunch of Vassals of King's yeah. People do um, some panels at Ice and Fire yeah. comments here. They were great. So... Thank you, everyone, for coming to our panel. Thank you, guys. Have a great Comic-Con, by the way. Thank you for listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out my website, ageeksaga.com, or consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash ageeksaga.